Lunchtime Live on News Talk. Thanks to Video Doc. See a GP online anytime for prescriptions and sick notes. Download the Video Doc app. Videodoc.ie. This is Kira, and this is a Lunchtime Live podcast from News Talk. If you like what you hear, don't forget that you can subscribe via the app or on iTunes and make sure to check us out at newstalk.com forward slash lunchtime live. Thanks for listening. One of our listeners got in touch about Unscripted with an email, but didn't want to talk to us on air. And you'll see why when I read the email. But let me know what you think about this. Five through and a six says, hi, Kira. I'm writing this email in the hope that you might talk about uh, adoption on Friday on your Unscripted show. After trying for several years to conceive, my husband and I looked into adoption. It was always a dream of mine to adopt children, even if I was lucky enough to have my own kids because I wanted to do that. In 2015, we inquired with Tusla and we were invited along to an open day. We found at some real home truths. Uh, in 2015, there were 2,000 people on the waiting list hoping to adopt here and that list grows by about 1,000 per year. In 2014, 15 children were adopted through the government agency. Ireland only adopts children from countries that conform to the Hague Convention. So we are limited to around four countries internationally. And while I understand the reasons for this, uh, it makes me feel more could be done to help the government to help couples here adopt in Ireland. I'm in the lucky situation where my mortgage is almost paid off. I live in a three bed Dublin home and I could leave my job if I needed to to look after a child. Um, When I applied for adoption, uh, I was 37 and my husband was 39. Three and a half years later, Eight failed IVFs later with donor eggs. We are looking to apply for adoption again, but nothing has changed. I feel it is really unfair that my friends who are in the UK or in Canada find it way easier to adopt than us here in Ireland. Canada's system works out that a child's mother can choose a couple. It's a bit like a dating app. And this at first appalled me, but I've learned more about it and it seems to work well for all involved. Can you please talk about it on Friday in the hope that I might get advice from listeners on how they have coped in modern day adoption in Ireland? And hopefully maybe we could have a conversation here nationally about how we might be able to change things for children who desperately need a home and for couples who would desperately love to give them one. Thank you for reading this out. Um, There's a lot in that. That's somebody who's gone through hell and high water to have a child themselves. Eight failed IVFs. They're thinking of fostering. They're thinking of adopting. They, they, They wanted to adopt in the first place because they believed in it. But there is very limited options. Um, if you know about this, if you've walked that road yourself, five through one six, let me know. Uh, and we did throw this out earlier on social media and said, do people have experience of this? Do people know about what the 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 difficulties in this are like for people? And Kieran McGrath got in touch with us, and he is uh, talking to me now, and he's a child welfare consultant and a former editor of the Irish Social Worker. Kieran, you're very welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You heard the email I, I, re- I read out there about somebody who says thousands on the waiting list, a handful of adoptions going through every year. Is it, isn't it extraordinarily difficult here for people to adopt from outside the state? Uh, it is very difficult to adopt because there's very few children available for adoption in Ireland and uh, and even in the international adoption is very restrictive. But as your caller will know, she went to a meeting of the that was hosted by Tusla Social Workers, and the fact is, <clears throat> from that she will be aware that adoption is a service for children. It's yeah. not a service for couples who can't conceive, okay. and therefore er- everything has to be prioritised on the basis of, of children. Okay. And in the dark past here, we had lots of children for adoption because they were we had the Magdalen homes and we had no we rights did. for unmarried we, mothers. We absolutely did. And and so it's. It was a tragic situation, and obviously we don't want to go back to that scenario again. I mean, if you can't conceive and you want to have children, that's tragic, but it's even more tragic if you have a child place for adoption against her will. Okay. So 
the um, on that basis, there because the social situation has dramatically changed for for young women in particular, unmarried women in Ireland, there just aren't children available. And in, uh, internationally, we can only do business with co- uh, countries who have high standards because, unfortunately, adoption is associated with corruption. It's associated with money ah, changing hands internationally. Okay. And, Kier- Kier- uh, and even, even, in North, even in North America, it's a private business for a lot of, of, um, in a lot of states. Okay. And there's serious questions ethically about what, okay. what happens there. Let, let me drill into what you're saying. If I'm, if I'm reading what you're saying correctly, you're saying that in country, the reason we go with the Hague Convention, the re- reason we limit it to certain countries is, is that there could be countries today around the world that existed much like Ireland did at one point where single women or poor women or women who were, had fallen out with their families or, or, or vulnerable women in some way are pressurised into giving up children oh, for those adoption. Countries definitely, no, so those countries and, definitely... And, and, as Irish women once were and, and children yeah. sent off to America. And all, uh, we, we've yeah. lived that past from the women's point of view here. And what you're saying, yeah. we cannot engage with those countries because there are, are women and I don't know what the countries are, but in certain countries of the world where that kind of nasty anti-woman, anti-child practice still goes on. Oh, it very much definitely goes on. Okay. And uh, forgive the noise in the background here. That's okay. We're live and unscripted. It could be, I, I, you could be on a motorbike <laughs> for all I care. But let, let, me ask, uh, let, let me ask you more yes, questions. Yes, it is. But even, I mean, the woman, your caller talks about, um, you know, the, the apps on uh, the Canadian system. But the Canadian system um, is no different, actually, to what happens in real life in Ireland here because, um, I mean, people are given choices about who would they like, to, if they want to place their child for adoption, who would they like? What sort of family would they like? And most of the time, if you have young women who are placing their children for adoption, they want young couples. They don't want people they consider old, like people in their 30s. You and I would not consider that old. No. But if you're 17 or 18, you do. And they also have, have been given lots and lots of choices, which is absolutely correct, as to the kind of families they would like. And because of that, it is becoming more and more difficult for people to adopt. Um, and that is just, unfortunately, the tragic situation that people are in because, as I say, it's a service for children. It's not a service for, for couples who can't conceive. Okay. Yeah. Look, I, I thank you for getting in touch, Kieran, because that's actually a great bit of insight into. Because when I was reading the email, I thought, God, that's really harsh for somebody, and it's so hard, and blah blah blah. But I see what you're saying that that countries outside the ones we deal with that the women in fact could be being coerced into giving up children that you know maybe to settle settle family because that's much more common yeah money changing hands is much more common money changing hands yeah. or, or, or what have mm. you and, and nobody wants yeah. to see I mean look we know we know the damage of a couple yeah. of generations later here that that has done to people's lives so I, I take your point although and I take your point as well that adoption as harsh and all as it might be to say this. It isn't about the the the, the couple who are who are only lo- longing to have a child. That 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 is a terrible situation to be in. But that's not a reason. Yeah, to, no, to your, sort of, your caller to sounds, dr- your to caller up sounds very caring for them. as most. Yeah, I'm sure. Are. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure yeah. she is, and I'd say she's mm. actually very upset, and probably even upset to what we're saying now. But I, I do sure. take your your sure. point about it's for the child, the child that already exists somewhere in a, in an orphanage or in a foster situation that that is looking for a home. It's not about the parents even though they are absolutely feel that they have all this love to give. I, I get that. Th- yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for talking no. to us because that's great insight that we might not have otherwise. Um, someone says, would love to adopt, but one of our friends underwent the interview process and withdrew. I don't think I'd be comfortable exposing my wife to the process, although we would love the outcome. Yes, we have three of our own, but we'd love to open our home to more. That's a lovely way to view it. But uh, you heard what Kieran said. It's it's an interesting, interesting road that, that, that we're going down now on this. Um, and someone says, 
Is the options uh, about what Catherine should do next? Is it about going back on the adoption list? Should she consider fostering? I'm joined now on the line by Jarlath. Jarlath, you got in touch earlier to promote an evening about fostering. You are a social worker in, in, in Tusla. Tell me a bit about foster care. So this is sort of an alternative, I suppose, to adoption. You don't get to adopt a child, but you get to share all the love that you might feel and you get to heap that on, onto a, a child that needs it. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Uh, I just would like to really emphasize that fostering is is something quite separate, although uh, sometimes uh, people do um, adopt children who they have fostered usually for many years. Um, But uh, I suppose what I'd really like to speak about is our upcoming recruitment because we are desperately short of of foster carers. Now, fostering is quite different. It is about... Uh, helping a child and helping a family when they're in a crisis. And obviously parents maybe experience some some form of difficulty, whether it's mental health or uh, there may be addiction issues or there may be this many the other issues. the birth parents of the, the child that you'd parents, be adopting. Yeah, okay, yep, parents. yep. No, you'd be fostering. Sorry, you're fostering. A fostering. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Sorry. I, I, that was just yeah. me. I, I know. Yeah. I know what we're talking yeah. about. I just yeah. just missed it. Yeah. 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 Can, can Can I ask you? Uh, my fear. I suppose I have two fears around fostering. If If I was being honest, if I was, and I'm not in the in the market for looking for for more children, but but if I was, I would be one afraid that I would become very attached to the foster child and very invested in their lives, and that my heart would break into a thousand pieces if and when they would be moved away from me, that I, I wouldn't necessarily believe myself able for it. That would be my first fear. And my second fear is, is, is that the children that you would be adopt, fostering rather, excuse me, fostering because of the circumstances they came from would be extremely challenging to deal with and that I mightn't be able for it. Yeah, well, in relation to um, the whole question about, um, you know, children moving on, I mean, that is a real, that is a re- can be a real heartbreak for yeah. people. And I, I, I absolutely appreciate that. And we are terribly aware of that and would, would be very sensitive to carers yeah. in that situation. It doesn't always arise. I suppose it's important to say that. So, But we can never predict. I mean, obviously, adoption is mo- a much more predictable situation. So you know that you're going to be adopting a child. Uh, but in fostering, we may come to you on a Friday evening and say, look, there's been a crisis. This child needs to come into care this evening. We may not have a great deal of information. They could be with you. Potentially, they could be with you for a couple of days and they could be with you for a lifetime. And we can never predict that from the outset. Yeah, it'd be very I, unusual I to be able to, to say, predict that yeah, from the I, I, and as much as I know you need them and as much as I know what a valuable role they play in our society giving homes to children who are in desperate need it's an extraordinary thing to ask of somebody here's a child that it we is. want you to love and care yeah. for and you might have them yeah. for a day or you might have them for a lifetime and yet yeah yeah it is and but I, I do think that and, and it's a, it's a pity that that I didn't get a chance to to get some of our carers to come yeah. on to speak and maybe there might be another opportunity we, we that will, we could Kieran, do we'll, that we'll, we'll talk about this again for sure yeah, we will because yeah. this is what because this is I what we talk the, about the carers could give you a much better insight yeah. than I because they're they're doing it so they can speak very yeah. clearly 
clearly to, Look, the, to yeah. the issues. And you thank know? you, thank you, Kieran, for talking to us because that's again another very interesting, Jarlath, uh, sorry, a very interesting insight into all that. Thank you for that indeed. Uh, loads of people texting on this. Someone says, Kira, our foster child is the love of our lives. We would recommend that people consider it. We are really privileged to have her in our life and it is worth all the difficulties that we have had to get to this point. So that's a lovely uh, one. Someone says, Kira, I understand everything in that email you read out. We tried the adoption process at first Tusla, um, at the first meeting with Tusla, we were given a sheet of medical conditions to tick that we would be, be willing to accept in a child. The more you tick off, the better chance you have of getting a child. It's a really bad process and the amount of vetting you have to go through is ridiculous. My friend had previously adopted a child. It took him nine years to get a second adoption. There is no hope in Ireland for parents to adopt. I think, Anthony, what it is, it's not about the parents. That's what, what, what Kieran said. It's, it's not about you getting a child. It's about getting the right home for a child who's already somewhere. Uh, and someone else says, Kira, the adoption system here is crazy. Myself and my husband looked at adoption as I can't have kids due to a previous illness. What surprised me was that realistically the child would not come to you till they were three to four years old. How is that good for a child? As we all know that the first few years are imperative. I suppose what it is is for the first three to four years they try and prop up whatever situation that child is in already. I don't know but I, I, I my, my perspective has shifted slightly because of talking to Kieran about how it's not about parents even though parents are desperate for the children it's about the child already but 53106 people are, are, are taking this all different places and we're going to talk a little bit about IVF in a second but I just want to remind you before the end of the show one of our lucky listeners is going to win a trip for two to Faith Lake Hotel down in County Waterford stunningly beautiful hotel award winning restaurant the Roseville Rooms there's the treatment suites it's next to Dunmore East beautiful town on the seaside in, in, in Waterford uh, and it is a fabulous getaway break two nights B&B one evening meal uh, head chef Jenny Flynn there fabulous uh, chef and wonderful, wonderful break for somebody. If you want to win and you're going to be winning it literally within 10 minutes. Um, what's the Irish name for Waterford? What is the Irish name for Waterford? Text the word East with your name and answer to us now in 53106 and we'll let you know before the end of the show who has won. Um, one of the other things that, that was mentioned in that email was that our, our listener had had failed IVFs eight of them. Can you imagine how difficult and traumatic that is for somebody? But they had and Elaine is now on the line. Elaine, what's your experience around IVF? Hi, um, basically um, we're going through IVF at the moment. Um, we've gone through three cycles. Um, all three of them have failed. Yeah. Um, we're told not to give up. We're told to continue on. Um, basically the problem we're facing at the moment is when do you stop? I know. Um, when is the clinic? Is the clinic, are they a money-making organisation? In Ireland, IVF is not regulated. We're the only country in the EU. Okay. And um, that is not regulated. There's no common EU legislation in assisted reproduction for um, women. Um, there is state funding. There's no state funding in Europe for IVF in Cyprus, Ireland and Lithuania. So we've got two sides of it. You have to go through the emotional impact of IVF. You also have to go through the money side of it. Yeah. So during IVF, you have to be relaxed. It's not relaxing. It couldn't be relaxing. Elaine, I've never gone through it, but the the stress of it, the worry, the waiting, the pregnancy tests, it's it's designed by design almost to be stressful. Exactly. That's correct. And it's just, it's getting the correct advice. Like when you're going to a clinic, everything that you're reading up is online. You're you're really believing in one person's answer to all your problems. There is nowhere independent or external or outside of what you're going through to get answers for it to make sure that you're getting the correct treatment. Did, did you say you've had three rounds? That's correct, yeah. Uh, and are you, are, maybe you don't even know the answer, are you going to go for round four? 
yeah, we were told that we should go again because we are young. We've been on this journey a long time. Um, but the, like the thing is, is that every time you go for IVF, every single round is completely different to the round you've had before. And as you're going through IVF, they figure out problems as you go. So yeah, so you, you learn a little bit from each round. Look, I don't know what to say to you except for the very best of luck, Lane. I, I've spoken to many people who have gone through the IVF uh, yeah. scenario and I know how extraordinary it is, but somebody has sent this because they're listening to you and I think this is always good. It says, Kira, please don't read out my name, which we never, of course, would, but please tell the girl you're talking to not to give up hope. We had five IVFs. We had spent six years in the adoption process and my beautiful son is beside me. He will be 10 tomorrow. It is a tough process, but worth it. Like that's somebody who's saying, look, I've walked your road and it was bloody yeah. awful, but but you know what? We got there in the end. And, and so I, I, I know those things are, are great because they give you hope, but they also make you go, oh God, does that mean I have to keep going? Um, exactly. The very yeah, best of luck with it. OK, OK, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for talking to us and sharing your story, Elaine. I do, I do really appreciate it. Uh, Brian is also on the line. Brian, you have also gone the IVF road. Tell me about that. Hi, Kira. Yeah, this is a success story. Oh, so, good. Um, good. I'm glad to hear We started it. off in our early 40s um, down the IVF road and we did three rounds. There was issues with myself and my wife. And after three rounds of IVF, there was no success. Yeah. Um, what happened then was we, we decided to go down the, the adoption route. Yeah. Uh, because of our age, we were restricted to overseas adoption. Yeah. And we did a year of a course. We did all the talks. We did all the meetings. We did all the uh, assessments and, and uh, the whole rigmarole you go through, only to come out uh, after two years uh, hitting a brick wall. The country that we had hoped to adopt from, uh, Vietnam, hadn't signed the Hague Convention. Okay, so, so, so the doors were closed. Gone. And we were told, look, we don't know when it's going to reopen. And even if it did reopen, they might not accept us because of our age. Yeah. And my wife and myself were devastated. Of course you and were. It, it's unbelievable. But my wife's friend had twins by IVF using donor eggs. Uh-huh. And this was something that had been given to us as an option very, very early on in the process and we dismissed it. We had put it out of our minds, no, we wanted our own eggs, our own sperm, we wanted our own genetic makeup, totally, yeah, I, I get totally it. We dismissed it and it went out of our head until my wife's friend had the twin and we said to ourselves, well, why did we adopt, why did we throw that out the door, why didn't, why, well, let's have a look at it again and in the Hildehan we went over to um, the Czech Republic yeah. using uh, donor eggs and after the process we had a baby boy ah, and, I'm delighted uh, it was fantastic and then we we still had uh, a couple of eggs frozen and we were uh, um, we were a uh, letter came through the door to say look what do you want to do with these eggs are you going to go ahead or what we didn't think we were going to do it a second time. We went a second time and we have a baby girl. <laughs> we were two-year-old and a four-year-old. Ah, listen, fabulous. can I just so, say congratulations and, and, and that's a wonderful story, Brian, and thank you because like, it's a really hard road and to have a happy ending is, is a wonderful thing. Fair play. Thank you. Know, you. It's, it's, it's it's fantastic. It was thank you, thank thank you for that. Uh, we're, we're 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 nearly out of time here, but I just want to read a couple of things. Someone says, um, 
Kira, I'm 38. I'm not sure if I want to have children of my own, but strangely feel more committed to fostering. A really insightful show. Thank you. Someone else saying, letting you know that there's a fostering information evening on Wednesday the 27th at 7pm in the Carlton Hotel. Uh, please come for a chat and our wonderful carers will be there to answer your question. And that's from Jarlath who we spoke to. Which Carlton? There's loads of Carltons, isn't there? Let us know which Carlton. You, or maybe that's Clayton's. Anyway, let us know where that is so that people might know what end of the country. And someone else says, please urge your listener to consider fostering. We fostered our youngest when our other two children were young too. We didn't want a situation where a child would stay for a year and be moved on because of the impact and our link social worker made sure that the child we fostered would stay long term which essentially meant forever. He is now our darling six-year-old son, the apple of ours and his grandparents' eye. It took two years to be approved but so worth it. And last one of this, someone says, Kira, listening to the show, loving it. Two foster kids in the back of the car. Life is never dull. Lunchtime Live on News Talk. Thanks to VideoDoc, your online healthcare provider. See a doctor, therapist or physio now on our app or at videodoc.ie.